0: Captain Vector's Log, start 876289.5. I believe it was the great Earth inventor, Alexander Graham Bell, who said, When one door closes, another one opens. But we so often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the ones which open for us. Captain Schaaf and I have reached the end of Lower Deck Season 3, but we will continue our mission to recap and review all things Trek with the second half of Star Trek Prodigy. yeah you know what time it is when you hear that music it's treknological time welcome everyone to treknological a star trek shakedown a short form podcast hosted by two hard-working dads who love to talk trek i'm captain vactor and with me each week side by side in our co-captain's chairs on the bridge of the uss treknological is my man with the plan captain shawf captain shawf how are you sir I'm doing
1: pretty good. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a, another crazy
0: week, but mm-hmm. glad to be here. Oh, yeah. Each week we're going to be traveling to a new planet to seek out new Trek news, as well as boldly going through our thoughts of what's on TV for Star Trek, as well as um, now we have to say goodbye to Lower Deck Season 3. But we have a warm welcome to the return of Star Trek Prodigy. So I think this is going to be... A great time today, Shoff. With that being said, let's set a course for the nearest planet, Maximum Warp. Aye, sir. Course laid in. Warp me and go fast. Ah, yeah, Captain Shoff, meet me in the transporter room where we'll beam down to the planet's surface to search for some Trek news. Aye, sir. On my way to beam down. Oh yeah, let's let's scan the surface Captain Shaw for any sign of Trek news. Ooh wee, I found some <laughs> Trek news Captain Vector. <laughs> Thank you very much Captain Shaw. Please transmit those news articles to our show notes for all the listeners. Now then, let's continue our weekly mission with our episode discussion. We got a double dose this week, Shaf. Double Two, whammy. We've got Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 10, The Stars at Night. First airing October 27th, 2022. Directed by Jason Zurich and written by Mike, Mc- Mike McCann. I always <laughs> mess his name up. That's my fault. But McMahon. Oh yeah, McMahon. Sorry. Uh Vince McMahon. I gotta think about it like that. All right. Well, written by Vince's little brother, Mike McMahon. And that red alert sound means this is going to be a spoiler-filled discussion. We want to let everybody know, if you haven't seen Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 10, The Stars at Night, come back soon and we will recap it for you. In the Season 3 finale, the Cerritos crew must prove <laughs> their worth in a mission race. Oh, yeah, Shaw this was the culmination of the season. We've been leading up to it. It's been yep. building, building, building. Shoff, did this episode live up to your expectations? Did it peak after all that <laughs> momentum? Um, Short answer, no.
1: Long answer, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it wasn't as funny. It, it really kind of didn't have the same level of comedy or humor that, We've kind of come to see over the past, I don't know, four or five episodes. Granted, the whole show has been a funny show, but I think they've been really been leaning leaning into the comedy a lot. And the stakes were pretty serious for this episode, so I'm not holding it against the episode that it wasn't as funny. It's just from a the tone and what you come to expect from the show, it it almost like didn't feel like the same show. Mm, yeah, but I didn't hate the episode. It was a good episode. It just wasn't. The it wasn't as lighthearted as the rest of this the show mm. has been
0: now do you think that is even in isolation that's a that's a problem or do you think it's because it was the season finale and we had expectations of hey this has got to be a big episode because it's going to be the finale so it has to live up to all of our expectations you know i kind of like compare it to the days of the week so like
1: imagine the other episodes that have been kind of funny goofy mm. silly like yes. those are like the days of the week like mm-hmm. Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday and then Saturday and then Sunday Sundays when you gotta wear your Sunday best Ooh. right and you're going to church yeah if you do that kind of thing right but like on Sundays you get dressed up yeah you, you, you're gonna comb your hair you're actually gonna, you know you're gonna be showered up you, mm-hmm. during the week especially if you're working from home you're gonna look like a freaking slob but oh yeah. On Sunday, you got to get all you know snazzyed up because it's the it's the real deal. It's the big show, just like this is the big season finale. Right. So it's like they they have been kind of party the whole season, and then now back to business mm-hmm. um, is kind of what it felt like to me. So yeah, it's not a bad thing. It just uh, when you are, I don't know, when you sort of groom your audience to expect something, and mm-hmm. then it, it's something kind of different where it doesn't have the same. Uh, humor. I I just think it doesn't really work as well. well.
0: When it's a comedy, you're expecting it to be funny first and then dramatic (laughs) second. And I think you're right. When I was watching it, I wasn't... I guess I was wrapped up in the, the, the season arcs that have been building and all the character stuff. I wasn't even thinking about the comedy. But that was the thing that I think... Remember when I very first told you about Lower Decks, I said... I was expecting Rick and Morty in space, and it didn't make me laugh the way Rick and Morty did right away, but then as I grew, as I continued to watch, it was the characters and the story that kept me coming back and and made me fall in love with this show, so I think you're right. I don't think the comedy in this episode was necessarily up to par, but I did enjoy the resolutions and then all of the different mysteries that we kind of got uh, a little p- plot tied up and uh, also a nice cliffhanger at the end, which Captain Chaff, I'm glad you told me there was a post credit stinger because I got to tell you the way that Paramount Plus and actually all these streaming services, I shouldn't just say Paramount Plus, the way Disney Plus, Netflix, Hulu, all these things, <clears> when <throat> you get to the end of the show and it gets to the yeah. credits, it immediately pushes you into the next episode. And that frustrates me because I'm a guy who, especially with animated shows, I immediately want to look at the voice cast. I want to see who the voice right. cast is. And this one, it did the same thing. And I was like, "Wait a minute, is there not a post-credit scene? Did, did Shoff lie to me?" And then, <laughs> by the time never, <laughs> by the time I tried to you know click over to it, it already had went past it. So I had to go back into it, oh. fast forward because it reset. Fa- had to fast forward back anyways all that being said yes there is a post credit scene Shaw was right he didn't lie to me and <laughs> it was i think it was worth it Shaw. It was, it was real small like a maybe 10 second clip right size doesn't matter you know that Ooh. come
1: on.
0: well in the texas class when we got a texas size episodes chowf we need to <laughs> we need to bring the the girth and the length this episode <laughs> this is a family show. It's a family hey, show. Hey, there's nothing wrong with what I said. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I definitely, um, like I said, I definitely enjoyed all of the mysteries and then the Rutherford storyline of, you know, his flashback. We finally saw who it was that ordered his memory to be erased and his implants and everything. Um, what did you think about the whole? The whole Rutherford plot line. Um, I, I liked it. I like that,
1: you know, that we've gotten little uh, morsels of backstory for mm-hmm. him, and then it all kind of came together and culminated into something. So, I mean, now Rutherford's backstory is pretty fleshed out. I mean, of course, there's plenty of stories to tell, but the mystery surrounding right all of that has been revealed. So it'll be interesting to see, like, what is the focus for Rutherford going into season four now that this is solved, he's not wondering, you know, about his memories and these holes in his memories and everything else. Um, and, and I mean, I think a lot of his struggle for season four will probably be what the reveal was in that end credit scene mm-hmm. because Badgie was still alive <laughs> and basically like uploaded to his, his old, um, uh, implants. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it seemed like he was in the same debris as, like, Peanut Hamper yeah. or where Peanut Hamper was. So, like, you just know, like, all signs are pointing to an AI
0: revolt yeah. of some kind. And that's what we had it, talked about on a previous episode. We thought that's yeah. where it was leading to. Yeah, because you... Oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, you've got, you've got Badgie, and Badgie could be, like, the, the captain of this. Right. Or, or you've got Peanut Hamper locked away. You've got... Ar- Aramis locked away, you've got um other AI. I mean it's I and mean, you've got the Alito, the Texas class, which even though they might be mothballed, it doesn't necessarily mean they've all been destroyed, right? So right. they could get reanimated, uh rebooted in some form or whatever and and, and cause problems in the future. I, I yeah. feel like we haven't seen the last of, of all of that.
0: And we already know that they've been greenlit for season four. It definitely could be a season four finale, or I was thinking it could even be a series finale. They could be even building to that. But this season in particular, season three, showed us we can't forget anything. Like you just mentioned Peanut Hamper. There's These are threads and plot lines that they pu- pulled from from two seasons ago, which I thought, oh yeah, we're never getting that again. We're done with those stories. But this season in particular proved to me we can't, forget anything they will bring back the smallest detail so badgie and rutherford's implants and everything i think a hundred percent you're correct shof is is leading to that ai storyline that uh, might be some type of a season finale i think Ooh, that'd be cool yeah so we got some more um we, we got some more uh character kind of interplay between boimler baby bear boimler and Shax, um that there was this whole Shaxx being the hard, gruff, you know, manly <laughs> man, the toxic man, Shaf that we talk about on our boldly dadding segments <laughs> all the time. But when he turns around, he's really a sweetheart. He's really a nice guy, and he's he's like the Shoff of this universe. Um, except for Shaf does not put on a front. Shoff is the baby bear Shoff at all times. So I think. It is a very uh, healthy thing, but I liked seeing that Boimler kind of, you know, they're bringing out the best in Shax and and kind of discarding some of that toxic masculinity, Shoff. Um, y- did you have any thoughts on the whole Boimler and Shax relationship?
1: Oh, that was nice. It was nice because, you know, Boimler, a- as he's gotten more and more bold, uh, <laughs> he's doing things that could very well threaten his own career. Yes. But... And it's like anytime he does that, he's like failing upwards, mm. um, which is which is really great. And to have him finally get the acceptance of Shaxx is pretty awesome, considering how the episode started. Yeah. Uh, and then also Shaxx getting that ability to finally eject the warp core that he's been <laughs> wanting to do for three seasons. Yeah. Uh, and that you never thought was going to happen, because that's a pretty um, that's a pretty serious thing to do. Has to that basically strand your
0: ship? <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to pull upon Chaff's vast Star Trek knowledge. Has that ever happened in live action before?
1: Uh, I believe it has. I'm trying to remember the circumstances, but it's always done. Um, as like a super-duper last resort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I would say more often than not, if they're ejecting the warp core, it's because something's wrong with the warp core, not mm. that it's used as a weapon. Right, right. Um, But I know I've seen uh, instances of it. I'm just blanking on like the moments. But yeah, I, yeah It's I would say typically it's like if the warp is about to breach, then they have to eject it. Uh, okay, that's
0: the normal circumstances of it. But to turn it into its own like mine, that was pretty cool. Gotcha. Um I did enjoy the Indiana Jones Mariner storyline where she's out collecting gray pots or whatever she said. Um how many gray or brownish things do we need, Shaw? How many brown <laughs> collectibles?
1: Yeah, and that she's basically being f- the whole thing's being funded by Admiral Picard. Yeah. There that was, a- was kind of fun.
0: Yeah, and there's a t- always, you know, throughout this show there's a ton of next generation uh, it's a love letter to TNG for sure, so it was great to get Picard's name as the benefactor. Um, I was thrilled to see that Shaf. Um I really liked the Avengers Endgame slash Star Trek. Uh, Sorry, Star, <laughs> Star Wars um, Episode Nine. The ending where all the ships come in, the whole fleet comes in and tries to take down, uh, take down the Emperor. Um, that was kind of fun. All the California class ships coming in to uh, to take out that that rogue Texas class. And I loved, you know what, for me, Shaw, I've lived in California, um, actually before Arizona, California was like my home. I always thought of it. I grew up in Northern California, lived in Sacramento for many years. And so when they called it the, the Sacramento class ship, uh, that was just a whole lot of fun to me. So I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> there's, and there's got to be some pretty funny ship names because oh, there's yeah. a lot of really
1: <laughs> funny and strange t- uh, city and town names yes. in California. Yes.
0: Yeah. I didn't pause it because um, I was kind of um, I was doing some other things. My son was also running around. But normally I would have had the captions on, looked at every single city. Uh, but I, I heard, I recognized a lot of the city names in California. So for me, that was just kind of a personal thing. I was like, oh, yeah, all these... Uh, California places, even though I'm in Arizona now, um, it was fun to see all those California class things. Um, so there's a, there's a city in Northern California called Forks of Salmon. (laughs) Now
1: maybe maybe that's one of the ships. Maybe it was the USS (laughs) Forks of Salmon.
0: That I did not know, but it was funny to see all the captains come on the screen. And, uh, there was, I think it was like a fish type of, uh, alien that we saw at the helm of one of them didn't. Didn't speak English, um, and Mariner yeah. <laughs> had to translate, but that was it, that was a lot of fun. I thought that the ending of them calling in that whole, all the California armada to come yeah. in was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and they all had different colors, which was cool, too, Yeah, because that's one thing about, like, the Trek ships is in Starfleet, like, they all kind of have the same gray, space gray look, right? Yeah. Um and then for the the Cerritos, we saw like they have that cool yellow stripe that happens on the top, and um, and it just adds a little pop of color. But then the rest of them all had unique pops of color, and I was like, ah, this is fun. I, I kind of like that theirs is a little more cosmetic, so yeah, that worked. Here's another city in in Northern California, Rough and Ready, the what? USS Rough and Ready. That would what be a good one.
0: In the world are these people doing? That <laughs> I, I was another one I'm not, a, uh, not I was not aware of. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, anything else about this uh, finale, Shaf? I think overall it was a fun finale and there was a lot of good character moments. But like you said, a little bit lacking on the comedy side. And yeah, yeah. For me, well, the- I was going to say, Go for ahead. me as a finale, I just felt like this could have even been in the middle of the season. This didn't feel like the culmination of season three, which... I thought, has been building, building fantastic episode after fantastic episode. And then this one was just like, all right, it was all right.
1: Yeah, don't you think that the last episode, Trusted Sources, might have worked better as a season finale? Oh, to create, yeah. Like the mm-hmm. open-ended, what's going to happen
0: type thing? Yeah, and it felt like, I mean, this could have even been an opening Episode like this could have been the first episode of season yeah. four, but exactly, yeah, exactly. I agree with you.
1: Um, a couple of things just to to round out our discussion of this episode, Stars at Night. Uh, the the only thing I found like super duper funny that I definitely laughed out loud was uh, the ransom pep talk. Uh, so oh. he's like, <laughs> yes. talking to the crew members, he's like, You yes. gotta command that chair, yes. he's doing the Riker maneuver, yes,
0: with his leg over the chair. And that I love was that. that, right? That was part of that TNG love i was talking about this episode yeah. felt like a very much a love letter to tng so yeah i I also <laughs> laughed and i've that was really good i've introduced um, my it, wife to the Riker maneuver and she <laughs> very much enjoys that it's so funny
1: um i read actually a little bit about that um the reason why jonathan frakes was doing that it wasn't so much because of um like it was like a stylized choice. Mm -hmm. It it was more to save his back. Cause I guess previously, whatever job he had, and I, I had it up last night, but I lost, um, I lost the article, but whatever job he previously had before he was an actor, pretty much blew out his back. So in order to avoid like having to bend down or sit down like that and kind of like put strain on his back. Oh my gosh. There's a, there is a deer in the backyard. (laughs) Holy moly. (laughs) I have to get a picture of this. <laughs> Holy mo- You're do- hearing do-
0: it here first, everyone. Oh Shaw has a deer in his backyard. There's,
1: There's deer's in the backyard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Holy shit!
0: They've been replicated. They've been transported down to Captain Chuff. <laughs> get that
1: deer out of there, Shaw. <laughs> that is insane. Oh, okay. Man. I'm sorry about that. I had to. <laughs> Holy crap. That scared me so much right out my window. I wish, you know what? I wish we had video going. I could have had it. I could have, uh, uh, shined the the camera. Oh man. It. I'm totally caught up. Okay. I'm like, whoo heart was racing. Okay. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So whatever job he, uh, Jonathan oh, yeah. had That's blew right. out his back. And so he, he purposely like leans and doesn't bend, uh, to sort of put a little bit of less strain on his back, so yeah. I just thought that was really interesting. So he like does that really because he's so tall; he's like six three, so it's more or less he does it because he's crazy tall and doesn't want to bend and hurt his back. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention this is a little fun fact, but the episode title "The Stars at Night." The reason why it's called that is because that comes from the lyrics of a folk song called "Deep in the Heart of Texas." <laughs> As a reference
0: to the Texas class ship,
1: the Alito, as well as the other ones. And I
0: was born in Austin, Texas. So when I was growing up, I also kind of, I I didn't have any memories of living in Texas. uh, But that song and Pee Wee Herman and visiting the Alamo and stuff like that, I always had it in the back of my mind. Oh, yeah, I'm a Texas boy, even though I have no memories of living in Texas.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: So that... That song I, I listened to many times and I was like yeah I'm a proud Texas boy but I have no memories of it <laughs> <laughs> but
1: remember the Alamo yeah <laughs> yeah well that's that's what I thought about Lower Decks I mean I'll be sad to see it go yeah. um, I will say of the two animated shows that Star Trek has Lower Decks is my f- my favored one. Um, not yeah. that I didn't don't like Prodigy, but I just think Lower Decks has been a lot more fun to me and uh, more memorable.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it's definitely aimed at an older audience than uh, Prodigy is, uh, but we'll get to that when we discuss our, uh, our Prodigy talk. So yeah, that was good. Episode 10, Season 3 of Lower Decks. Very good recap. The stars at night. Alright, let's get into Star Trek Prodigy As we have been asked to cover Season 1, Episode 11, Asylum This first aired also October twenty seventh, 2022 Directed by Stephen Chang, Ang and Song Shin uh, Apologies if I messed those up Written by Kevin and Dan Hagman. Now this is also a uh, Spoiler alert! Spoiler <laughs> alert! If you, haven't seen Star Trek- alert, man. <laughs> if you haven't seen Star Trek Prodigy, uh, definitely you don't want to go straight into Episode 11. There's a lot of things that happen in Episodes 1 through 10, which Shaw and I caught up on to talk about on this podcast. Um, I would say in the last week or two, the last uh, month, we've caught up on Star Trek Prodigy, first 10 episodes. And I actually purchased the new video game that came out, Star Trek Prodigy. Supernova. I got it right here. Star Trek Prodigy Supernova for the Xbox One and Xbox Series X. So I'll actually give some quick thoughts on that after we talk about the episode. But the synopsis for this one, at the edge of Federation space, the crew applies for asylum at a calm relay outpost, only for their starship to reveal its shocking true purpose. Um, So let's actually, Shoff, let's give our thoughts on episodes one through 11 of Prodigy, because I think Asylum... (laughs) There's not, you know, a whole lot to discuss, but we can kind of put the whole season. Yeah. What did you? What have you thought about Star Trek: Prodigy season one so far?
1: You know, it, it surprised me. Uh, as John Daranowski yeah. previously recommended that we uh, check it out. I, uh, I have to say, it surprised me because it actually is a pretty decent show. Yeah. Um, I would argue that it's not for young audiences. Mm. Personally, um, I think it's a little too. Violent And by violence, I mean like explosions mm-hmm. and stuff like and menacing characters like mm. and, and it seems like every other episode, the characters are in a life or death situation. You yeah. know, right. I'm like, is this really the type <laughs> of stuff we should be showing our seven year olds? I don't know. <laughs> to me, that seems a, a little I mean, I, I'm not going to like shame parent anybody mm-hmm. who's, you know, putting their kid in front of it, but it feels a little heavy in in like some mature themes mm. which i know is probably it's also there because this is meant to attract adult fans as well right. right so so there's something for for all audiences but to me it just feels a little mature for like a nickelodeon audience yeah it is is how i kind of feel about it but i've i've enjoyed the show i would say episode eight uh, which is the time uh Yes. the time Amok. right um that episode is probably my favorite because yes. i love time travel stuff i love anything with like where there is a time factor playing oh, yeah. into it and uh and also it the sh- that episode had some real uh, real applications then and effects uh, because of all the characters rock talk uh ended up basically living i mean probably many years mm-hmm. i don't know like by herself, uh, learning science to sort of fix the problem because she had more time. Yeah, and that was they never really say how long. Probably because it would be a little too depressing to truly know. But <laughs> they say like it was a long time, and, and I think like like she's that much smarter because of all that too. So, uh, I'm just fascinating uh, that that whole episode. But overall, it's a, it's an interesting show. Um, I wouldn't say I love it, but I also wouldn't say that it's been a disappointment. I've actually been thoroughly impressed by it.
0: Yeah. I really enjoy Star Trek Prodigy, and I think it's a great jumping on point for someone who is new to the Trek universe. And I also think that much like Nickelodeon's other show that was meant for children but adults can enjoy it too, Avatar The Last Airbender, I think it's it's very much something that you you can get enjoyment out of it as an adult. And sometimes there's, there's certain things that are made for children, but you look back on it and you say, wait a minute, I was young and I was watching this and I didn't get all these references. I didn't get a lot of things. But then you go back and watch it and you're like, oh, okay, now I understand. Sometimes Pixar is like that. They'll throw in jokes that only adults get and references like that. Prodigy, not necessarily like that, where it's like specific references, but it's more like you said, Shoff, like the the tone and the, the themes overall. There's certain things that a young child wouldn't get. They will be watching certain things, and they'll get a different experience out of it. But the parents can watch it with their children and have an enjoyable experience. So I think it's, it's great for that. Um, not necessarily one that... I would specifically recommend for adults and, and if you don't have children. But I think so far it's actually um, a really good show and a lot of heart to the show, which I love. And, you know, there's some of the, the things where it's it's more for children is, I think, some of the comedy elements of it and some of the yeah goofier elements. But for us, Shoff, as two Trek dads, number one, our children are a little bit too young to watch this with us. Um, right. I think this will be great to watch once the show's is, is finished, I bet our children will be old enough to watch it. So it'll be nice to go back and watch with them. But also a lot of the Trek um, Easter eggs in here with Janeway, with Chakotay, with um, a lot of those things, it's very it's a good, you know, um, not as much as Lower Decks, but they have a lot of. Rewarding elements of being a Star Trek fan that you can watch and enjoy. So I'm I'm very much enjoying this. And did you know, Shaw? The theme is done by Michael Giacchino. Ooh, yes, he's a talented guy. One of my favorite composers, if not my favorite composer. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. The only thing, Shaw, for me as an animation guy, I don't really like this style of 3D animation. There was another show when when I was growing up, and I'm sure or you may may or may not have seen this show when you were growing up. It was called Reboot, and it was like the first 3D yeah. animated show.
1: It yeah, I remember it. I I've, I've only seen maybe like an episode or two, but I do remember it. Yeah. yeah.
0: If you go on YouTube right now and look at that, like look at the opening animation, it looks rough. It looks like something that they would show like a pre viz like, oh, okay, we'll go ahead and fill this in later, right? But this is just to show you where the characters are placed and, like, get a feel for the blocking and things like that. That's what it felt like to me is, like, they just don't have enough detail. They don't have enough in the, the movements and things like that. So Star Trek Prodigy is um, in that same vein. Now, it's way better than reboot. Like, the, the animation is way better. But it's still the fluidity of the mo- movements is what, I would like them to improve. Like the way that they move, it just feels like they're missing a couple um, frames of animation. So that would be my one thing. I agree with you.
1: I agree with you on that. Um, You can tell some characters are brought into this show to be comic relief. Oh, yeah. Jenkins Pog and Murph. (laughs) Uh, They're, you they're just kind of like the you know something's going to be funny happening. Like The only like Jank and Pog scene that really mattered in this episode was he was eating hot dogs. Hot dogs. You know? <laughs> like... <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. I mean, I think my favorite part about this show is that they got the Zooks. Yeah. Jason Manzook yes. to uh, provide the voice. Yep. And I think that's just great. <laughs> <laughs> What's I think... up, Jarks?
0: <laughs> I think the voice cast is really good. There's actually a little um, promotional thing talking about getting caught up on Prodigy and it talks with some of the actors from the show I think top to bottom all of the cast is great Kate Mulgrew coming back and doing Janeway is like a a really big deal even the Chicote actor who I don't know off the top of my head Robert Beltran yeah he did a great job and and so I'm interested just to kind of dive deeper into that Voyager section of it and um oh I forgot to mention while we were talking about Star Trek lower decks um, and I mentioned this before on a previous episode the voice actress Riley Alice, Alice Alice Rocky who plays Rock talk is the daughter of Carlos Alice Rocky who played the Admiral Buena, Bueno Bueno yeah Alice Alice Rocky yeah that's how you say his name. Um, so there's a lower decks and prodigy connection there between father and daughter. So I thought that was fun, but that's cool. I really think that um, we're going to continue to enjoy the storyline of Prodigy um, with the Voyager stuff and with Janeway and seeing where that's going. Now I wanted to talk. Yeah, I love I love
1: Janeway. Um, so her being a part of this is so great, um, and her she has such gravitas mm-hmm. and her character is so interesting. And to have not only a hologram version of her, but the real yeah. Admiral Janeway on the hunt for them is, is wild. The whole Chakotay being missing thing. I was like, where the heck has he been? Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's clearly been gone for a little while. So, uh, I'm like, uh, is he, he better not be dead. I hope mm. they didn't kill this dude off screen or something. That's like, what I was thinking.
0: Is, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So we'll see. We will definitely see. Um, Oh, yeah, and, and um, in a previous episode, they had o- Odo on there, and there's a ton yep. of... Uh, they got... Beverly Crusher. Leonard Bond. Nimoy to play... Um, or the the, uh, the archival audio, sorry, of Leonard Nimoy and uh, Gates McFadden. So, yeah, there's, there's some great stuff to be found in Prodigy. Real quick, Shoff, I told you I was going to... Uh, off podcast, off mic, I told you I was going to talk about Star Trek Prodigy Supernova. Right. And this game is a whole lot of fun. And I got to say, it's like the Lego games in that it's a uh, side-scrolling 2D game, and the the fun of it is you're just smashing stuff. So you're going around just um, killing enemies and smashing crystals, collecting crystals and things like that. The All the voice cast is in it, so it feels very authentic to the show. And it also feels like it's aimed at the same audience... As the show, this is a game I could have fun playing with my son once he's old enough, and I will not be bored out of my mind. So <laughs> I think <laughs> Star Trek Prodigy is, um, it, it fits right in there with the show. Very, very good.
1: Good, good. Yeah. I didn't th- expect it to be a side scroller. That's, that's not what yeah. I
0: mean. Um, it is couch co op, so I was hoping that Shoff and I could do a little online mission, but it's only couch co op. So I'm gonna have to wait until. Shoff makes his way over here, or I make my way over there.
1: <laughs> you have to ride a, a deer uh, <laughs> to get to my house. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I well, can't I... believe we had deer. That's crazy. <laughs> that um, is... the other thing that we had a new one of was Ready Room. Ooh. And yeah, uh, I just wanted to mention something that Jack Quaid and Noel Wells, uh, who voice Boimler and Tendi respectively, yeah. um, they were saying they were talking about the Trek fans. <coughs> they were saying how supportive, genuinely invested, yeah. and Trek fans are. And I have to agree, the Trek community is fantastic. So uh, if you are part of the Trek community, and you probably are because you're listening to our podcast, uh, just give yourself a pat on the back because we are the optimistic, positive fandom that doesn't get toxic. And that's yes. so great.
0: A 100%. Excellent discussion of both Star Trek Prodigy and Star Trek Lower Decks. We're going to continue to talk Prodigy moving forward, but for now, Shoff, we're going to talk, I think, you and I's favorite section of the podcast, a little segment we like to call Boldly Dadding. Now, Boldly Dadding is our weekly segment where we share some story or lesson that we learned during the past week as fathers to young children. So Shaf, take it away. So uh, for me, I
1: was trying to think about what to talk about because there's always stuff that happens around the house. It's crazy <laughs> <laughs> when you have tears. walk by. Pod. Yeah, it's always crazy. <laughs> there's always <laughs> stuff happening. Um, but I wanted to talk about Emily's, my two-year-old, uh, Emily, her love of books. So we read her books all the time. And, um She's always asking for more. And I'm sure that it has factored a lot into her level of communication that she has already at like two years, three months, I think, three or four months. Um, Because she's just talking nonstop. And she picks up words so fast. As soon as we say something, she tries it out. And so we have to be very careful what we (laughs) say around the house because she is a sponge and a mimic. Uh, And even if she's not saying it, like articulating the words like super great yet, She's trying words out when she hears them, and she gets them pretty good. And we can understand what she's saying, um, which is awesome. But she loves books so much that she wants new ones all the time. And um, (laughs) that can get a little pricey (laughs) over time. And also, we get tired of reading the same books over and over and over and yeah. over again. Uh, she doesn't mind hearing them, you know, a thousand times, but we would certainly like variety. So <laughs> uh, I try to buy her books whenever I can. And usually I'll order them on Amazon or sometimes I'll take her to Barnes & Noble. And she loves that. She calls it Noble. <laughs> she wants to go to Noble. Um, but she loves going to the mailbox because she thinks that every time we go to the mailbox, there's a book waiting in like the mailbox for her that I that I purchased for her, and I wanted to share how my child understands that her daddy works from home. So, um, she knows that I have to work during the day, and it granted I take plenty of breaks to help out um, around the house to help with uh, help my wife with childcare and and whatever is needed, especially if like there's a kid melting down or something. I can't just close my ears, you know, and right. like focus on work. Like I have to take a break and, and, and be attentive. So, um, so with that, I, uh, I've told her, I'm like, now Emily, I have to go to work now. And she's like work. And then she says paid. And then she says new books. <laughs> <laughs> so she understands that I work in order to get paid so that I can buy her more books. Yeah. That's like her understanding. And I was like, that's actually a perfect way to look at it. So <laughs> she gets the 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 idea of you do something for something. Um, so, nice. So she lets me work because she knows that if I work, I get paid, and that means she gets more books. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's great. But they uh, they went to the library yesterday. I was working, so I didn't get to go with them. But um, it was um, my wife, uh, Emily, Our our... Now six month old as of yesterday, six month old Sage, and uh, and our nanny who's there a couple of days a week, and so they they went to get uh, together to the library and came back with a whole bunch of books. And the library is great because you're just borrowing them; you don't have to pay anything for them. So I get to save my uh, my paycheck a little bit. <laughs> this week, which is nice. And then, uh, they actually picked up a really funny book. Sarah saw this one at the library and I wanted to share it. It's baby's first Klingon words. Oh, nice. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? They have this. And so I was flipping through it yesterday and there's like just all tons of like really simple, um, Klingon words like Kapla, which means success (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and Gah which is like the Klingon like spaghetti or whatever, you know, like the worms. Um, and it was just so funny. I meant to grab it, but it's way upstairs and, and I I won't have a chance to do it at the moment, but, uh, it's a super fun book and, and Emily just loves books. So my uh, recommendation is your kid might love books and you might not know it and read them as much as possible because they absorb everything and they'll start talking before you know it. And, um, there's a reading challenge that they're doing through the library. It's like read a thousand books before kindergarten. Ooh. And th- they were like commenting, huh, if you read like three books a day to your kid for 365 days, that's over a thousand books hey. um, by the end of the year. And I'm like, we read way more than three books a day. To yeah. So I was like, she's going to hit this thousand goal. And you think of that like a thousand books. That's a lot. Oh yeah. But, she's going to hit it in no time. Nice. We've already started logging and we logged 10 books yesterday. So, uh, it's just, it's a fun thing and, and she has a passion for it. So, uh, we're, in, we're encouraging it. Nice. But anyways, um, we love that she reads cause it's really helped with her, her communication abilities. So nice. That's my thing. What about you? Very
0: nice. Shof. Uh, this week I was thinking about the way that when I look at my son, I see myself and that's, something I, I didn't think would happen for a few more years. My son is about 18 months and I look at him and I say, that looks like what I look like when I looked at my baby pictures, when I look at um, home movies of myself, I see him acting in ways that I would act and scrunching up his nose in a way, snorting. These things are like, man, this is, you know, not something that I would have taught him or not something that he would have picked up anywhere. This is just instinctual. This is just, he is my son. He's acting just like me. And my wife comments frequently, yep, he is your son. That is something that you do all the time. So (laughs) it's always uh, surprising for me that he's this young and and it's coming out of, like I said, moments of he'll give me a look or he'll act in a way, turn his head in a way that I've saw myself in home movies because I don't have any memories of those, my one-year-old days. But it's just very interesting to see that, you know, um, from a biological standpoint, you know that he's your offspring or you know that your child is is yours. But it's just funny to to get that realization and and see it in the flesh. So that was kind of my dadding moment this week was kind of seeing myself. And also that makes me proud that I see myself in my son and, and I want to raise him in a way that he will become and grow into a good man. That's my number one goal. I don't think I ever told you that, Chef in raising my son. I want him first and foremost to be a good person. And so I want him to treat everyone with respect kindness and just be a, a, a bright shining star in this galaxy. So that's what I want from my son. That's,
1: that's an excellent goal to have. And, and I think you're well on your way. You're well on your way. Um, you know, the key is, I guess, looking at your, your children as a mirror, right? Mm. And as much as you can see yourself in them. Like they're going to see themselves in you. So like, and I'm not saying you're not doing a great job here. You are. uh, It's just how socially important it is that we're demonstrating like the idea that it's not the do as I say, not as I do. Mm. It's the do as I do because if you're seeing something else, if you're like, if I'm telling her, you know, you gotta, you gotta be nice. You can't right. yell. You can't scream. And I'm screaming. It's like, <laughs> right? Uh, she's not gonna learn that. So yeah. So I think you're right on. I think I uh, think you you have all the
0: right um, tools in your tool belt to to make that happen. Thank you, Chef. and thank you, listeners, uh, for checking out another episode of the Technological po- Podcast: A Star Trek Shakedown. We are very, very uh, appreciative to all of our Trek listeners. And like Shoff said, the Trek community has just been a fantastic place and we could not be happier uh, that we are here. You can be a part of the Trek community if you follow TreknoPod on Instagram, Twitter or TikTok and especially TikTok because Captain Shoff is busy putting out hilarious videos whenever the moment and inspiration strikes him. Captain Schaaf <laughs> is going to put out a video. So you definitely want to check those out. And they're always a little saucy, Shaw, a little spicy sometimes. But <laughs> we always get a, a good reaction out of them. So I, I, I'm very happy that Schaaf is here because uh, my TikToks are very lacking in creativity. Mine is more informational, what I'm doing over at Comic Book Kaiju. But Shaw's they are entertainment 100%. So you're definitely going to want to check out what Shoff's doing on TikTok, as well as YouTube. We try to put them on all the short form video places, Instagram reels, TikTok, YouTube shorts, all those things. So if you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show. And if you love the show, we invite you to let us know with a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify we hope that you'll share our podcast with your Trekkie friends and family because word of mouth is very important for a smaller podcast like ourselves. If you can share with one friend or family, that would help us out a great deal. Next week, we're going to continue our ongoing recap and review of the second half of Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, as well as if you are a fan of our co-captains commentaries, Shaw and I have Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan, coming out on November 1st. You're definitely going to want to check that out. Many think the greatest Star Trek film of all time, but you're going to have to wait until November 1st to get co-captain commentary from both Shaw and myself. We had a great time recording that, Shoff. I think.
1: (laughs) I think think you're right. I think we definitely did. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But with that, Shoff, I believe our mission of the week is complete. Back and shop here. Two to beam up. Live long and
1: prosper. And look out for deer. <laughs> <laughs>